Hey there, and welcome to El Chat, a weekly dose of practical tips and strategies to help you create a stunning first impression online. I'm your host, Lauren Hooker, and I'm really excited about today's episode because I'm bringing on a special guest, but I'll get to that in a second. First, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's been a shift happening in the creative industry. Less and less people are interested in courses and online workshops. Now, it might be because they're overdone or because people believe they can find the information for free through blogs and other resources, but whatever the case, courses seem to be dying down. So where does that leave us? Software as a service is the new wave of passive income, and many people have already gotten on board, including Sai Hossein, the CEO and founder of Crowdcast. In this week's El Chat episode, Sai is joining me to share how he came up with Crowdcast, how he brought this platform to life, and where his business is headed in the future. Let's dive in. Well, hello everyone and welcome to El Chat. It's been a while since we've done a webinar, um, an El Chat webinar. So I'm so excited that you all are able to tune in live today. Um, I'm especially excited that Sai is joining me. Sai built the platform that we are using right now, Crowdcast. It is my favorite webinar platform. I've been using it for two years now and I stumbled upon it from the recommendation of a friend. Jamie Starkovich from Spruce Road. And um, it was after I had tried three or four other platforms and had been so disappointed. Um, I couldn't find one that really fit what I was trying to do with these weekly webinars. Stumbled upon Crowdcast and fell in love right away and have never looked back. Um, I love all the features, how easy to use it is. But I know that when things look easy and are easy to use, there's often a lot of work that went into creating it and building it. And so I'm thrilled that Sai is joining me today and um, sharing his story about how he built Crowdcast um, and what went into building software as a system and getting it um, off the ground. And so um, I'm excited that y'all are tuning in. Few things before we dive in. Um, if you are new to Crowdcast, I want to show you some of my favorite features. Um, the first is the chat section, and it looks like y'all have already found it. If you haven't said hello already um, and said hey to Sai, tune just go ahead and say hello there. Um, tell us where you're tuning in from. I'd love to see where you're tuning in from. It's always fun because people tune in from all over the world. Another thing that's really um, awesome about webinars. So I would love to see where you're tuning in from, and I'm sure Sai would too. Sharon from LA, awesome. Monica from Germany. See, this is so much fun. Um, so go ahead and say hello there if you haven't already. Um, and then there's an ask a question section at the bottom. It looks like Grace has already gone and asked a really great question, which I'm excited to ask in just a little while. Um, but if you have any questions already, feel free to drop them there. And if you come up with questions along the way that you want to ask Sai, we're going to leave about 15 minutes at the end um, to ask him your questions. So feel free to leave them there. You can also, really cool feature, vote questions up. So if you really want to see one answered, you can vote it up. And I usually go in order of the number of votes. So that's there for you too. Um, but like I said, Sai is the founder and CEO of Crowdcast, and I'm so excited to have him joining us today. So I'm going to invite Sai on. Again, love this platform. So easy to use. Here we go. I want both of us here. There we go. Sorry, Sai. <laughs> there we go. So thank you for joining hey, me. everyone. Yeah, for sure. I'm really excited. Um, I've been a big fan of you know L Chat from a while ago, from when you first started using Crowdcast. Right, I'm going to silence my phone, um, and it's really exciting to actually be now on it for the first time. So I appreciate the invite. Yeah, and so tell everybody where you are tuning in from today. Yeah, so I am in a eco village in Guatemala. So uh, if the Wi-Fi or anything like that cuts out, you might have to just bear with it with us for a little bit yeah. while we get that sorted. Um, but it, we, we can get into how that happened in, in, a, in a moment. But it's been it's been really that's fun. awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. A short little intro. Oh man, like historically, or like a like a Twitter one liner. Um, historically, yeah. Um, I would say the simplest, quickest way to explain my life is uh, born in a village in Bangladesh, wow. 
Um, went to USC. There's a, there's a Trojan in the audience. I, should, I definitely have to mention that in California. And then started Crowdcasting in San Francisco uh, after being inspired by a trip to Costa Rica. Okay, I want to hear about that trip. What were you? Uh, right now? Yeah, I do. I want to yeah, yeah, yeah. jump right in. Great. We'll, we'll just go right into it. Um, yeah, so this was 2014. Yeah, 2014 when I, there's a festival called Envision Festival. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. Um, it's similar to like a less crazy version of Burning Man um, in, you know, in Costa Rica. And so I was down there uh, by myself. I just, I just bought a one-way ticket to go check out, to go, you know, to Costa Rica. And at the end of that festival, I heard about a retreat in the jungles of Costa Rica. And I ended up going and it was on a permaculture farm. And I don't know if you know what a permaculture wow. is, um, but it's basically like a, a form of farming slash social design. Um, but at the time, I thought it was actually moss. I, th- I thought it was like a culture of moss was, was what this thing was. But in that retreat, you know, I was just blown. I was like, I was like surrounded by you know, masters of yoga, masters of meditation, uh, artists, musicians. And I was just like, wow, I'm just like a tech guy from San Francisco. How did I end up here? And I realized that, you know, I really wanted to help that there's like all this knowledge and wisdom there. And I really wanted to help them share that because what I realized was no one knew how to use the internet. <laughs> you know, they're masters of all these things, but you know, they didn't know how to use technology really, really well. So that actually was the seed of, of, you know, basically like, okay, how can I start helping these folks who are teaching amazing things, share their knowledge over the internet. And, you know, a few months later that evolved and grew into the first version of Crowdcast. Um, and at the time, you know, I was actually using Google Hangouts. You know, I don't, and I don't know if, if, if Lauren, you, you, I think you might have actually been using us back then with, in, the, in the Hangout space. Yeah. And that, yeah, yeah. Um, that was like our prototype, basically. And what happened was, you know, I, I built this prototype and a friend of mine in San Francisco said, hey, Sai, I want to use Crowdcast to host an online summit. And at the time, you know, the largest summit I had held or largest event I've held was, held was like 200 people. And so he's like, okay, we want like at least 10,000 people in this thing. And I'm like, okay, well, if you like invest in us and you know, invest in me and pay my bills for the next few months, I'll, I'll work on scaling it. You know? And that's what we did from September that year to December. I, just, I was just heads down in my apartment just working on Crowdcast. Um, and it was still just me at the time. Wow. And then, you know, December, I think it was second came along and they ended up marketing the event so well that we ended up getting 30,000 people to show up to this thing. Oh my. And it brought like the CTO of the U S government, the inventor of CSS, the, um, you know, the ex, uh, the, the vice president of Microsoft. I mean, the inventor of Google glass, it was like a long list of 36 different speakers no that, you know, yeah, exactly. And, 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 and it actually worked, you know, so that is what actually launched us, you know, launched the, what was my pet project to become a company. And I eventually got some investors and started building out a team since then. So that's how it all started. Wow. That's amazing. And such a turning point in Crowdcast too, to go from Google Hangouts to 30,000 people tuning in. That's wild. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, ultimately, um, yeah, we we built it on Hangouts knowing that at some point, like technology is going to get to the point where we could start swapping it out with better tools Mm -hmm. that lets us just build an experience. And then basically later the next year, the APIs that we're using still to to this day showed up. And so technology started to evolve Mm -hmm. to allow for what we're doing right now, which is all in the browser, nothing to download. Uh, to gather people over live video. That's amazing. So when you first came up with the idea for Crowdcast after that trip to Costa Rica, it sounds like you already had a background in software development or coding. Is that what you majored in at USC? So it's a little secret, and, and I hope uh, I hope Laura doesn't get mad at me, but I dropped out two years in uh, at USC. And um, what happened was, you know, I was just like, I didn't want to study engineering, you know, I, I, I was just, I was way too social at the time to do that. I was just like, I just don't want to like, you know, I, I want to like make friends and have a whole college experience. And, and, uh, I, I studied everything but engineering, um, back, I mean, to kind of rewind a little bit, 
you know, my family's pretty poor, you know, like we literally weren't born in a village, you know, so, so uh, with the, with that starting ground, you know, early on, I had to figure out ways to, to make money. Right. So by the time, you know, basically, I was like in this, in Patterson, New Jersey, um, growing up, and I was looking for ways to get out, you know, this is like inner city, if you guys are aware of Patterson, you know, it's like really hard to, mm-hmm. it's like a really hard uh, city to get out of. And I found a program called NJ Seeds that um, selects 100 kids every year. And that program really like was one of the first big forks of my life. Mm-hmm. It allowed me to um, basically learn you know, uh, from them uh, the, the, at the education level of private school. And then they actually help you get into a private high school. So then from there, I ended up going to Boston area to a place called Concord. Uh, to like, I went from like inner city, you know, giant public school to a private boarding school with 400 kids, you know, and I was one of the like five brown people you know, there. And, and there, you know, I, I, I started learning more and more about web development design, particularly, mm-hmm. and, and started doing gigs online. Craigslist was my first stop. You know, I went to Craigslist and I would just like look for anything that I could find because I needed a way for now to pay for private school. Right. Luckily, financial aid covered a lot of that, but I, there was still like a gap that I needed to fill. So, you know, while I was in high school, I, I just went really hard into learning how to build things and design things. And by the time I was in college, you know, I, I, I knew enough to be like to realize that my professors in in the engineering world was really outdated, you know, and this is just standard with all you know, sort of big universities, technology moves so fast that ultimately I didn't feel like I was able to like learn anything from, from those, you know, those teachers. So I, I studied anthropology, I studied psychology, I, I studied, you know, anything but engineering. Mm. And two years in, you know, a friend of mine was starting a company and he was tr- trying to recruit me to be his lead designer. And so I had to ask myself, wow, okay, do I leave college to, to pursue this? Uh, in LA, uh, do I go half time? Do I go full time? And I, I had like a whole spreadsheet of every sort of possible decision matrix, you know, that I could make. And ultimately, I, and I, I decided that, you know, um, I've already gotten all the value that I could get from college. You know, ultimately, the the, the main value of USC and 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 the university is the network, mm. you know, is the people that you meet. And so, um, and I had met a lot of people. So two years in, I decided to just do an experiment. Let me take one year off and joined this company. And so what happened is I joined that company and, and ended up leading their design for for a whole year. And and I learned so much. You know, I learned a lot about design, building a company, building a product. Um, and I loved most of the team. Ultimately, what happened was that, you know, the, the, C, the CEO of that company was just, uh, he was also my same age as me, a college student, you know. It was his first company. He just didn't really know how to lead a team. And it was just an, a really toxic environment for all of us. So basically 12 months after I joined, I quit and all the other engineers quit. Um, and we basically all left together. <laughs> we moved to San Francisco. Wow. Um, and, you know, and since then, I've, you know, I, I basically kind of dropped in SF and just started doing a lot of freelance work, working with people one-to-one, dropping into companies, designing things, you know, rebuilding their site and leading until I you know, trip to Costa Rica. Wow. That's amazing. So for those of those who are tuning in, who do not have a background in web design, or this is totally new to them, but they have an idea that they know would be great as software as a service. How do you recommend even getting your foot in the door or um, wrapping your mind around starting a project like that? Yeah, it's a really good question. There's a lot of problems that, that still need to be solved. And with the way that, you know, um, technology is evolving, it's getting easier and easier to pick up the tools and start using them um, so that you don't necessarily need to know complicated programming things. Even programming is becoming so easy that it's becoming visual. You know, you can literally drag and drop things on, on an interface now. Um, there's the language itself is, is, is becoming so legible that it's almost like English, yeah. you know? Uh, so, so it's literally like if I want to make a, a, like a line of code, I, I could say if, you know, a uh, person is greater, is older than, uh, let's say 18, then, uh, you know, send them this, uh, this item or something like that, you know, uh, you can almost just write that out in English and, and, and that's how, 
technology is, is evolving. So yeah, it's 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 easier now than ever to to first pick up the tools. But you know, and this is something that I say a lot. Um, it's really hard to pick up tools and technology and learn things for the sake of just learning it. Uh, what's actually more fun and useful is to find a goal, you know, and find something that's really bothering you, you know, and try to solve that problem. And you'll learn the things you need to learn. Like if you want to build a house, right, you're going to learn math and physics and, and architecture to build that house because there's ultimately like an infinite number of things you could constantly be learning. So don't try to be learning those things. Don't just learn programming to learn programming. Right? Um, don't learn design to learn design, but try to find something that you actually care about. And you'll learn whatever you need to learn, which always, is always changing and evolving to solve that problem. Yeah, that's amazing advice. And I love that you said that because it's like with anything. For me, it was um, starting a business. I had no clue what I was doing, but I love design. And so I worked out the kinks in marketing and all of that stuff as I went along. We're renovating a house right now. I know nothing about refinishing hardwood floors or you know any of that. But the best way to learn is to just dive in because you have a goal in mind. I love that. Um, so I hope that's encouraging to those of you who are tuning in and you have this idea, um, for a great platform, um, pushes yeah. you and, and, and I would, make it work. Yeah. And I would add that, you know, you not knowing, um, marketing, for example, when you're first getting into all this is an advantage because you don't have the sort of limiting beliefs of the folks who've been in it for so long. And for you, particularly your creative person who does design, you can think creatively about new ways of solving that same old problem, right. you know, new ways that's interesting, that, that actually is more valuable than, than anyone else who, who would have done it if they're deep in that world. Mm. So there is that there's huge edge to being the newcomer. So, you know, take advantage of that. If you're in the audience and you go, oh, man, like that's a field that I don't know too much about. Great. You know, cause that means you're going to think about solving things in ways that no one's even thought of before. Yeah, that, and that's so true with even just looking at the platform that you've built and how different it looks from similar outdated webinar platforms that people are used to using. Um, so when you first got started, I'm sure other webinar platforms were out there. Did you look at those and think of ways that you could do it better? How did you, did you talk to people to ask for feedback? How did you get the ball rolling um, with the design of Crowdcast? Yeah, I mean... Honestly, you know, I, I didn't really look at other revenue platforms too much, you know, and we still don't really look at those platforms too much. Um, but what, what, what we did was we just kind of started from ground one, like from, from ground zero. Like if we were to start today, you know, what would, the, what would we imagine would be the best experience that we can create with the technology that's available today? Mm. You know, so that way you're not limited in, in kind of going in, you know, trying to replicate something that's already been done and improving it a little bit. And so when you start from just like scratch, you're really able to imagine whole new experiences. And there's so many micro decisions that go into that, that each of those micro decisions are considered like mind blowing to the folk who, to the person who's been in this world for, for a long time. For example, one of our most simple features that isn't very technically difficult to build is our timestamping feature in a question. So, you know, when, 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 you know, uh, when Lauren answers a question from, a, from an audience member, it timestamps it. And then when the replay is available, you can jump to that question. To this day, that's still the most impressive feature for everyone. Whenever someone, yeah, whenever yeah. someone sees it, it's like, wow, like, wow, I've never seen that before, you know? And webinar platforms still don't do that. Um, but but it's a, it's a really subtle, tiny thing, which I didn't actually think was that amazing at the time, you know, um, because it was just one of many other decisions that we were making. Right. Uh, but when you're starting from scratch, you're just starting from now, you're able to really, really rethink things and, and add, improve the whole experience at an order of magnitude as opposed to an incremental change. Yeah, that's and it's so true, because when you're first starting out, um, and I feel like my business grew when I stopped looking at what other designers were doing to market their business. And instead, I just started from scratch. And a lot of it was trial and error. But I feel like just like what you said, it gave me an advantage because I wasn't I didn't have these ideas already stuck in my head that I was trying to replicate. So with you, even the time stamping, um, it probably came up like, wouldn't it be cool if it would just jump to that part in the replay? Um <laughs> And then just making it happen instead of just trying to replicate what you saw other platforms doing. Um, so I love, love that you said that. 
Um, yeah, I, and I'm I'm really curious from the audience. You know, like what kinds of things are you working on? Like what what kinds of businesses are you trying to start? Or rather, maybe 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 one question is just like, what's an idea? that you've been, you've been thinking about, but you haven't hit the go on, you haven't mm-hmm. pressed, the, pressed the gas on. Yeah. So, and, and no judgment, just, just, just curious, you know, like just drop <laughs> yeah. that in into the chat. Yeah. I would love, I would love to hear about that too. And I'll share one of my own, um, project management software. I know there's a ton out there, but I have an idea for something a little bit different. Um, it's just the way that my brain works that combines the client and side of things. Um, so that's what I'm going to go ahead and throw out there and share with y'all. But I'd love to hear Aka Sai's question. Um, yeah, what's an idea that you've been thinking about that you have yet to um, yet to try to accomplish? Monica says, I'm thinking about bringing up a mentorship for designers. Just a very small group. Very cool. Love that. That's awesome. I would, I would join. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, in the meantime... What were some of your biggest challenges when you started to get the ball rolling and act on your idea for Crowdcast? Yeah, I mean, the hardest one is just when you're first starting something, you're alone, right? And uh, it's definitely easier to have people that you're starting things with. Mm. Um, So what happened for me was, you know, um, that big event happened and, you know, it was still just me. Right. And I had raised a little bit of money from a couple of investors to just pay my bills for the year mm-hmm. so that I could just focus on Crowdcast. Um, but I didn't have enough to really pay anyone else, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I ended up you know, making a bet. Um, there was this event called Launch Festival. So, you know, the, uh, the one month after this big event, this big you know, online summit that we did. Uh, oh, Kimberly, good to see you here. Mm-hmm. Um, one month after that, you know, there was, I, I decided to go through this process of launching Crowdcast on stage at this festival. And it had like 3,000 people in the audience. I'm like super nervous and I'm going up on there. Uh, as a part of the presentation, I had to hire my roommate to pretend like he's part of my team to press the slides, you know, <laughs> so it doesn't look like a one-person team. And I was really hoping like I would get a lot out of that. Maybe I would get press coverage. Maybe people would hear about Crowdcast. But nothing happened, mm. you know. Like no, no investors came from that. No, um, no press happened. Um, and then all there was was like a networking party after the event, you know. So then several months went by, and I was just like, man, did I waste my time and energy there, you know? And 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 I, I'm I'm all about like following what what excites you and just going for that, uh, even if it's not logical. That um, we can get into that a whole. That's a whole other piece. Mm. Um, but, but, and, and my excitement was like, yeah, go launch on stage at this festival. And then I was like, kind of disappointed. I was like, wow, like nothing came out of that. Well, about four or five months later, a guy messages me who I'd met at that festival, uh, at this, at this, at this, you know, business festival. And he's like, Hey, Sai, I don't know if you remember me. We met at the party. I remember you were like still looking for people to team up with at the time. And I was really impressed that you built the whole thing by yourself. Well, I'm considering if you want to chat, um, and so that person, you know, you know, and I met up and we started, you know, considering like working together and three years later, like that's my co-founder, Dylan, you know, wow. and like at the time, you know, during that time from like going on stage to finding and working with Dylan, I just, there was so many times I was just like, man, like how people who I can team up with. And it, it, it was a lot of like lonely journey. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, but what kept what ended up working was just persistence, yeah. you know, and knowing that what you're doing, like you really believe in it and eventually the, uh, the further you push it, it's going to, it's going to get to the point where you're going to attract the right people to you and to the company to start building off of. Hmm. So That's- that was one of the hardest pieces at the beginning. Yeah. Being alone in it. And even I just found when I started Ellen company, having my husband even just to bounce ideas off of, um, and, and start a conversation with someone instead of it all being on you is, is super helpful. Um, it looks like people are starting to, um, give their responses to size question about what project have you yet to start on. Um, Michael says a dating site with no scammers, um, can really a framework that helps lawyers better serve clients with the need to bill by the hour. That sounds awesome to you. Um, Tierra says, I keep thinking about a gift registry for experiences geared to families, amusement park shows, movies, etc. Um, so these are all really fun to see. Keep, keep sharing them. Um, sometimes the first step is just sharing, what you have on your mind, um, to get the courage to just go after it. 
I want to hear more about what you said, Sai, um, of even if it isn't logical to go for it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, mean, you hear this, some form of this from a lot of people, which is, you know, at the end of your life, when you look at it, most of the decisions that you make um, uh, that actually led to your successes don't make any logical sense. But rather, those are decisions that you made out of excitement. You know, and and, and uh, think of a time. You know, if you're in the audience, and, and you and, uh, think of a time that you know you were like, "Man, I really want to go on that trip, or I really want to go to that school, or I really want to start this project." And I know it's it doesn't make up. Maybe I don't have the money. Maybe I don't have the space or time. But I'm just really excited about it. You know, and when you took action, right? May, didn't you? Or maybe you, you met someone coincidentally that was exactly who you needed to meet. Or you got the lesson that you really need to learn, or you ended up, you know, uh, uh, just just some something happened that's perfectly synchronistic uh, or coincidental that really was was completely like not what you expected and was really really helpful, right? Um, and so, you know, uh, right before that trip, you know, I, I was really like going and starting to believe that idea that. Um, you know, it's really important just first, like pause and tune into like, what are the things that you're really excited about? You know, what are the things that, that like nourish you that you're, you can see yourself working on for a really, really long time and that are exciting. Um, so, so that's part of it. The, there's a particular, um, sort of, I guess, rule that I follow. Um, there's two parts to it. Um, the first is what I mentioned, like follow your highest excitement to the best of your ability. Um, and, and what I mean by excitement, by the way, isn't like you might be really excited about like maybe drugs or something like that, but that's like a momentary excitement, right? Right. Um, when you actually dig into like what's deep, uh, maybe a better term is like what's follow your deepest excitement, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of that is to have no expectations because, you know, it, whenever you follow one of those threads of excitement and you go start that project or you join that company or you meet that or you, you know, uh, go to that country or you visit that city, um, you might have one expectation of why why you're doing it and where it's going, but what usually happens is something all, all completely differently, right? Something completely you know to the right field that you wouldn't have expected that that you know is even better, um, or or helps build you I know step by step to that ultimate goal. Right. So that second piece is really really important, just to kind of follow that deepest excitement. But to not have any expectations about where exactly uh, that's going to lead you to. Yeah, that's awesome advice. And holding it loosely, because one thing that I've learned um, is that everything is subject to change. And I'm sure you feel this way, especially um, in this field where there's just something new every single day, it seems like, coming out um, that you feel like you have to sort of course correct or not even course correct, but just be open to change and changing the platform and uh, updates and that sort of thing. Um, and on that note, how do you, how do you keep up with it all? Or how do you decide what to do when, um, like, I guess with hangouts and upgrading, that was a pretty clear choice that you needed to do that to support 30,000 people, um, tuning in. But, how do you kind of keep up with all of these changes and um, know what to do next with Crowdcast? It's something that we've, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this summer, particularly, um, you know, is what are the coming changes that are happening in society on our planet and business and marketing? Um, and, you know, uh, how can we not be following, but rather leading mm. in, in that space? And, you know, I, I definitely agree. Everything is always changing. Like that's one of the fundamental rules of the universe. Everything's always changing. And at the same time, there's certain things that are never changing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, one of those things is that, you know, people appreciate human connection and authenticity. Right. And so uh, we've been sort of using that as, as a guiding idea to help you know, guide what are the different product and feature decisions that we make on Crowdcast. So, for example, we first launched the ability to follow you on Crowdcast, you know, about two years ago. So, you know, you can follow Lauren and you've got a lot of followers. uh, What is it? 1.7 thousand people get notified when you go live, right? That's pretty crazy. Um, 
so so that was you know unique to crowdcast because we were just like well we're thinking about like how do we help you build the audience and actually have a relationship with yeah. the audience but if you take that even further like michael joined yeah, I just email. um if you if you take that idea even further right then it's you know it's it's us really focusing on essentially you know helping you create um strong relationships mm -hmm. with your audience because the quality of that relationship dictates everything right it doesn't matter if you have 10 people that care about your work right. or interested in your work or a thousand right all that matters is how 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 quality is that relationship and so you know there's other platforms that let you do like fake webinars and automated webinars and all these other things and you know we don't we don't care about that like we we know that that's just a short-term strategy yeah yeah, like I've been in, in in a place. I've been in a in an automated webinar, and as soon as I found out that the person on screen wasn't actually on screen, I just I threw them out of out of the you know out of my list of people that I even cared about, right? Mm -hmm. um, so so we really focus on like how do we help you have authentic you know uh, basically strong relationship with your audience, and so given that there's a lot of things that's coming, you know, um, like a live video. We see it, you know, in terms of like the evolution of communication. Live video is just the next thing, yeah. right? Naturally, like we started with, you know, if you if you look at human sort of conversation, right? It starts with one to one in person, right? That's the best way to communicate an idea. Then the next way, if you want to get that idea even further, is to go to you know one to many, right? In, in a group setting, in a fire around a fire, in an auditorium, in an amphitheater, right? And we've done that for thousands of years. And then we invented writing right, with the Gutenberg Press, and then we were able to take those ideas, put it in a book, and suddenly we had an asynchronous way of scaling our mm -hmm. ideas, right, and that was hugely successful. And then we invented video, so we had an asynchronous way of capturing your full body's language and putting that on, you know, uh, out there. And then if you follow the progress of the internet, right, it follows the exact same progression. Mm -hmm. It first started with writing, right, blogs blew up, WordPress blew up, right, Blogger uh, blew up, and, and that was the first level of the internet because that's all that, that it could support. And then the second phase was really around video, and we're kind of in it right now. You know, YouTube has become the second largest search engine in the yeah. world. Facebook is now really going into video. Like everyone's like, wow, video is big, right? And you were just Instagram videoing, right? So video is obviously just a much better way of communicating because you have a full body language, full being, right, captured. And then the next way, and this is for the first time ever, where, where we have technology that's aligned for live video at scale, right? This was never possible before. We had like television sets for you know the, the president to do it yeah. right but now lauren you can do it you, you can be on screen over real time communicating with tens of thousands of people so it's just the next progression so so we just see it as like okay what can we do to to allow you to use the the, the most uh, scalable and direct way of communicating to build a relationship with mm -hmm. the audience right so there's a lot of things coming beyond just like following, you know, um, that, that we're, we're, we're going to be rolling out over the next years. Like we're thinking like we're very long term awesome. here, uh, you know, that that's going to continue helping uh, cultivating that relationship with your audience, whether you're selling a book, a course, or just want to have a TV show, you know, have a live you know, chat like this. Um, a live video, is, there's a lot of flexibility because it's just, it's just facilitating communication and there's a lot of variability in communication. Yeah. Right. So. That's some of the things that I'm constantly thinking about as as ways to guide our product decisions moving forward. I love it. And one thing that I really love, too, on the creator side of things um, is that you all are always asking for feedback and taking it to heart, too. So not only through um, your Facebook group for Crowdcast creators, but also um, or broadcasters, but also for um, you have your crowdcasts for people to tune into and give feedback every week, right? Is it weekly? Um, ask questions. Every week. Yeah. I was just live right before. Yeah. This. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get the notifications too. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's amazing that you all do that and you're so in tune to what we want to see and what we need and that you, you do care about us connecting with the people who are following along with us. So I'm, obviously a huge fan. I rave about you every, every L chat, um, but that's a, in a webinar format. I'm just really grateful for all the work that you've put into it. Um, so I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also have a question for resources that helped you 
um, along the way. Where do you look for inspiration, for advice? Um, who are some of the people and resources that have influenced you the most in this journey of Crowdcast? Yeah, I mean, um, that's a good question. You know, like I mentioned earlier, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an immigrant, right? So uh, my, my family... Um, knows a lot about like how to be an amazing family mm. and how to be like human, good human beings, but not necessarily like what school to go to in the, in the U S or what, yeah. what, you know, what job to take or, or anything about just being an American uh, and being in the modern age. Right. Mm. So when I was in high school, uh, Ted talk started coming out and I remember um, with one of my first like online you know, Craigslist gigs, I, I bought my first iPhone and I was so proud of that, you know? And so every, every night I would, I would go to sleep and I'd watch a Ted talk, you know, cause at the time they were really good. Uh, it's changed a lot, but yeah. you know, at the time I was just blown away. I was like, wow, like I can use video to like learn from other people who've gone through it you know, and I've gone through different experiences to learn different lessons and I can really accelerate my own growth by like deeply trusting their lessons. Hmm. So I don't go through that same, same, you know, process. Right. And so I really, you know, took that to heart and um, it started out with YouTube and TEDx, you know, and, and TED talks where I was just constantly absorbing. I, I probably watched that first year, every, every TED talk that came out. Are there any that stand out uh, to you in particular? Right now, I mean, just some ones that are really, really popular that I'm sure a lot of folks have already seen. One of them is from Tony Robbins, where he like really goes in there and under 15 minutes, he like really inspires and shows you how you can change your state. Mm-hmm. Um, another one's from Tim Ferriss that I really appreciate about how to be like superhuman and his process of learning to swim. Um, yeah, I, mean, there's, I feel like there's so many at this point. And this is like years ago that I really was into this. Yeah. Um, but then fast forwarding, I, I, I moved, like as I went through different phases of my life, it was really you know finding um, people who who believed in you, you know, and 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 basically communicating with them and kind of using them as mentors. Um, admittedly, you know, over the last year, I've done a terrible job doing that. You know, I did a lot more communication with my mentors. Uh, before I started Crowdcast, uh, and then being deep in it and running a business, uh, you, you tend to um, put all your time and priority into the business and not about a lot of the things that helped you stay grounded and stay you know al- aligned as you're going through life, right? So, um, yeah, I, I had to thank the internet, YouTube, uh, and some of the mentors that I've had you know, back in my college and early San Francisco uh, times. Yeah. I've struggled with the, the very same thing. People have asked me, you know, who do you enjoy following along with the most? Or, you know, what books have you read recently? And I feel like when I first started Ellen Company, I was soaking up all of those resources and um, the wisdom from people who had gone before me. And then I don't know if it was some pride started to creep in or just the busyness of, of running a business that um, I stopped looking to those um, to other people to pour into me. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been guilty of that too. Um, yeah, I think that's a really important habit to maintain, you know, and, uh, for your mental sanity, you know, um, and and at the end of the day, you know, when you're looking back at your lifetime and I'm constantly thinking about when I'm, when I'm dead or when I'm, you know, 80, if I get there, you know, how, how will I look back at my time? And ultimately, uh, it, it really helps you sort of figure out what what's important now, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's why I'm in Guatemala. You know, that's why you know I'm, I'm, I'm I don't want to spend my my years, you know, being the CEO of a company and burning out, you know, and and then le- learning in my 40s or 50s, like oh, I, I should have done this thing, I should have traveled more. And by that point, my joints aren't working, you know. Right. So um, it's it's really important to like yeah do those things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely. I, I read a, I, I love reading and, and using any sort of resources, primarily video and then books, you know, yeah. um, to find people that I really appreciate. Um, my, the latest book that I, I really, if you guys are curious, that I, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. it, 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 that I've really been appreciating. And I don't really, too, I don't read too many sort of technology startup books much, you know. Uh, uh, the, the the most recent one was uh, is called Braiding Sweetgrass. Um, that's, it's basically from a, um, Native American 
botanist scientist from, I think, Michigan or that area around the Great Lakes. And she talks in, and she's got this interesting indigenous wisdom mixed in with scientific understanding. She's a professor, she's a science professor teaching botany, you know. And so she does a really great job just talking about the world, society, financial systems, everything you can imagine. Um, but just through the perspective of plants hmm. and our relationship with the, with the, with the plant world. Um, like for example, this has actually informed Crowdcast and, 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 and our, yeah. and our you know, plans moving forward. One idea she shares is how, uh, and it's just, she shares it in a really poetic way. And she, if you can get the audible, I would get that cause it's her own voice reading it. Hmm. Um, she, she talks about how when like she was at a, you know, like a literal marketplace where you can buy fruits and vegetables and things. And, uh, you know, that day, uh, it, it was, it was a day where you bring food and, and, you know, you're, you're selling it. So you go up there and, uh, and you get an apple and you pay your money and you get the apple and you leave. Right. Um, another day, uh, instead of having it be a marketplace where you're selling, it was more of a gift exchange. So people were just like bringing what they had, Right. And there, and it was for free essentially. Right. And so she noticed that, you know, at that, when it was free, um, and she were to get an apple, what happened was she would take that thing, right. That the other person is giving her and recognize it's a gift. And because it's a gift, there's now a relationship being built. Mm. Right. So she was talking about how, you know, when you have money being transacted, it creates this transactional relationship, right. This transactional economy that we're mm. in. And what it does is it cuts the relationship. You know, I pay you for your album and then I'm done. But when you look at the, you know, the, the, the direction that is more of our natural direction is to actually get a gift from something and then give back, right? And you can give back in a different form and, and it maintains their relationship when there's no money involved. And so if you actually look at the progress of, you know, of the economy, that's where it's going. It's moving towards a, a relational, she calls it a relational economy. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you were to ask people in Silicon Valley, they call it a subscription economy, mm -hmm. right? Where you're paying monthly price to have a relationship with a service or a person or an expert, right? Okay. Um, so that you can continually be getting a relationship with them, learning from them uh, and getting an experience as opposed to just a, a one-time transaction. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, that's just, that's just one of the yeah. billion things that she talks about. Uh, but I'd really like recommend checking out uh, Breeding Sweetgrass by uh, Robin Will Kimmerer. That's awesome. And it's it goes to show, too, how sometimes the biggest influences aren't the business books or um, the wisdom from this industry, but looking out even outside of it um, can be your biggest inspiration. So I love that you said that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would just add, like, most business books are – most books in general, you know, are, are – um, like like extrapolating on someone else's ideas, extrapolating on someone else's ideas and so on. So if you can get to the root of things, right, you don't actually have to read that many books. You can just read a couple that talk about the more fundamental ideas uh, about our natural relationship with the universe and our, and our natural relationship with the plants and the world. Um, and those things can actually inform you in a much, much better way than, you know, some academic paper that's talking about where things are at right now. Right. You know, so uh, if you really want to be thinking about the future, um, constantly be peeling back to like the root of yeah, things. I think that's great advice. Um, I want to go ahead and jump into some of these questions. I feel like they might um, take a little longer to talk about, and I want to pick your brain on them too. The first is from Grace, and she said, I would love to know more about the process of distinguishing one software product. Considering that there were already other webinar platforms out there, did you maybe feel discouraged or have to fight doubts along the way? How did you find a way to distinguish your software, and what was your product development journey like? So we kind of touched on that a little bit already, but um, was there any fear there of you know, what do I have to offer or, um, how can it compete with what's already out there? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I never, I haven't really thought about that too much. Yeah. You know, um, when you think about like comparing yourself to another webinar platform, then you're thinking about how to distinguish, you know, um, but because we never really thought about that, we just kind of like decided we just want to create a new experience and we didn't really look at the other, other folks. 
we just started using language that was more natural to us. You know, we didn't call it a webinar. We call it a live event. You know, we didn't call it um, a presentation. We call it like a workshop. Yeah. You know, a, 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 you know, we just use language that are more humane and human. Um, so, so we kind of did that naturally. In retrospect, you know, we're looking at it now. We're like, oh wow, like we should really lean into this even more, mm-hmm. and and actually have a strategy around that. Um, so, you know, we're actually going to be leaning into, you know, like uh, the fact that like the concept of a webinar is really dead, you know, and, and no one really gets excited about joining a webinar. And, and what we're seeing is the world of live streaming, which is really great, really good at like community building and, you know, quick hangouts with your, with your people, um, merging with businessy worlds. Right. Um, and so that's, that's, for example, it actually informed our decision to, to launch uh, RTMP studio earlier this year. You know, it's a way to swap out our video feeds with a live streaming app with plays and animations and lower thirds and pre-recorded content and really like level up your live video experience. Mm. Um, and that, that came from looking at, you know, YouTubers and Patreon, you know, users and Facebookers who are not using, you know, live video for webinars or rather to, to connect and grow their audience, mm. you know, and they really wanted to like control that video experience. So, you know, we're just not looking at the webinar platforms that are out there uh, and, and thinking about like, how do we distinguish ourselves from them as much, but really, we really think about like, how do we um, really drive home what we're about, mm. you know, um, and then we could look at those guys and say, okay, I guess they're doing it this way. And then we can kind of show, you know, this is what a webinar is. This is what a crowdcast yeah. is. And naturally, the, 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 the differences will show up. What I've learned, too, about um, people like yourself who are so successful in this industry and really have a standalone product that they're offering is that they didn't look at other things. And, um, yeah, you just didn't look around at other people and try to build something similar. You started with the problem at hand that you wanted to connect people with their audience, that you wanted to improve the live video experience and started with those issues instead of thinking about similar um, products out there is what it sounds like. And I found that to be the case with a lot of other successful people. Um, They didn't look around or compare themselves very often. Instead, they tried to pave the way um, so that other people can try to follow them <laughs> in what they're doing. Yeah. Ultimately, it's just about like knowing what, what the, what's your mission, right? Where, where's your end goal? Um, and how do you get there? Yeah. And for us, like we're, we're one of four phases of our mission, at least, you know, and, um, and phase one is to really just build a much, much better way of connecting with people over live video. Um, I'll, I'll actually hint a little bit about what phase two is about. So if yeah. you guys are curious, so, um, you know, we, we are going to be, and we haven't shared much of this publicly, obviously. Uh, so you get your audience oh, is some of the first year to hear this. Um, phase two is gonna, is, is, is really allowing us to like lean in to this concept of building community and the community of crowdcasters, you know, so, um, we, you know, we're one of the most immediate things we're going to do is actually change our, some of our language so that, um, your profile page is actually your channel, not your profile page. So you can actually say, Hey, follow my channel on crowdcast, you know, and as a part of that, you can start building out your channel subscribers, right? Your channel followers. Um, and it will add some tools to, you know, embed that channel and embed the follow button of a channel and things like that, which is, you know, just kind of, you know, expected when you go that way. Um, but then the part of the biggest piece of phase two is to allow the creators to discover other creators and allow the creators like you to collaborate awesome. with other creators. Um, so that way you can, your audience can find other events that are similar types of events as yours that they're interested in and other folks in other, in other communities can find you. Right. And so um, it really like aligned for that community uh, building experience. And we have a little bit of that, right, with this following right. feature that you can fact, you can follow some broadcast. And if you go to my profile or your profile, like you can see who we're following. Right. And you can find other people right. that way. But we're really going to lean in on, on this concept of discovering and exploring uh, other folks on the I platform. I love that. I love the channel, too, and just how changing the word can make such a big difference instead of a profile. Um that's awesome. I'm so looking forward. To it. Yeah, let, yeah, yeah. Language is everything. So 
um it's really like and, and this is a lesson that i'm like constantly being reminded like oh yeah right like we should really think more clearly about our about our language uh and and subtle things like you know we're gonna instead of calling it a crowdcast we're just gonna start calling it a crowdcast you know and that was the original idea behind the name is pick a name that it's both a noun and a verb so that you can say hey are you gonna crowdcast that or hey are you gonna is this a crowdcast so you know but, but but the thing is you know with everything there's always like a like a path right and we needed to start with the world word webinar because that's what people are used to and so we needed to hook into the existing ecosystem of you know, webinars and we can say okay you can do webinars here but it's really a lot more than just what you're used to right. in a webinar uh, but we'll say and use that word because you're you're familiar with it and we're going to continue using that word for a while but you know we're, we're, we have to like slowly transition people to you know, uh, beyond that, because ultimately, you know, it's, it's way more than just a, a, a traditional webinar. Yeah. Platform. And I've, I've been dealing with that too, about how to describe an L chat, you know, webinar, because that's what people are familiar with, but you're right. It's so much more than just the boring salesy, pitchy, icky webinar. Um, it's not this experience yeah. that you've built is yeah. not a webinar, but it's hard when people are already familiar with yeah i mean i mean the closest language that i would call this is your is, is an l chat yeah. show you know like the l chat show like come follow my channel here you know and we're gonna go live every month or every other week or something like that and follow us to know get notified when we're, gonna, when we're gonna go live um but it's a whole different thing than a series of webinars you know and it's really about like something that's more aging and fun and the unique thing about is that the audience conversation, right? So right. it's not just you interviewing me and putting it in a podcast, but there's, there's that is affecting our own conversation. And so there's more of a, of a, you know, reason for people to show up live. Right. Absolutely. And, and we've been taking the audio and putting it into a podcast, but it is never the same as people who take the time to tune in live and have that conversation because it could just be like you said, a conversation between the two of us or when I'm on here by myself, it's just a one way. It's like a presentation, but the live component and having you all tune in week after week adds a whole other um, dimension to these live videos. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll just say one other thing, which is that it's really hard to get people to show up live, right? Like think about, all of Facebook and all of YouTube and all these websites are all focused on getting your attention just mm -hmm. to have a couple of minutes of your eyes on that page so that they can sell that attention to a company that's buying ads. Right. Right. Like that, there's all the, all the, I mean, Google is built on this. Facebook is built on this, right. Is ad revenue. Right. And so just, just to have people here in real time spending 50 minutes, right. <laughs> like yeah. in, a, in a conversation is actually pretty mind blowing when you think about it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it's just it's just like a really you know authentic and real way of having people um, give your attention. So it's 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 like wow, like you're giving me all this attention. I really want to make sure I'm giving you the right value, right? Because uh, you know if you're going to spend your time here with with me, with me and 132 other people, like let's 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 do let's you know let's not like um, you know let, let's have high quality content as opposed to just like low quality, you know, quick things that other folks are doing in the webinar world. Absolutely. That's, that's an awesome perspective on it too. And something I wanted to ask you and you kind of touched on it. One thing that I get a ton of questions about from, um, people who follow along with Ellen company is how to name their business or their products. So can you give us a little bit of insight onto how you chose Crowdcast? How did you land on that? And what was the process for coming up? <laughs> With it, what did it look like? It, it's kind of funny. Um, so, no, very few people know this, but Crowdcast was called CrowdSound before. Really? Okay. So, so what happened was, in uh, twenty thirteen, I and and a friend of mine in San Francisco, we just wanted to start a company. We didn't really know what what company we just wanted to start a company because we just didn't want to work for other people, and we we recognized that you know building a, a platform that's paying you monthly. Is, is a much more long-term, better place to be than exchanging your time for money, right? Absolutely. So at the time, we had no idea what we are going to start. And, and, and I actually don't recommend anyone do this. Don't start a company because you just want to start a company and you don't have any idea what the problem is you're trying to solve, right? Yeah. But that's what I did. And, and, and this guy, um, amazing human being, uh, this guy, John, he, he, he uh, 
had an idea for a platform where you can be literally on stage. And, you know, this is an idea that he was working at the time. And um, it's a way to kind of poll the audience in real time. Say, hey, guys, here's my presentation. If you want to ask me questions, go to this URL, crowdsound.io slash my talk, and then people can open it up on their phones, and they can they'll see the interface. They can upvote the questions. They can submit their questions, and then as I'm talking, at the, when I get to the Q and A, I could be like, "All right, so uh, Lauren, your question is number one with 32 votes. Here's my answer. Or do you want to come up on stage and and and, and share mm. it?" And so that was that was CrowdSound. I did that the year before, and it was just really a struggle to get it going. Um, what uh, the 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 speakers you know, we're trying to sell it to? They're just like, well, I already have like a set presentation. I don't really need the audience feedback to change my presentation, and I'd rather just have people call like raise their hands. Sure, it's annoying when there's that guy who like is pitching them himself, but it's not like a big enough pain for me to think about. Right. This. And then we went to the conference creators, and we're like, yeah, I guess if I, if we were to host a summit and a, and a physical conference, this would make it a nicer experience for the attendees, but we just don't think it's valuable enough. What, what's valuable for us is to sell tickets. Is this going to help us sell tickets? Yeah, maybe the next year because they liked it the previous year, yeah. but not right now. And then we you know the attendees, like they don't really have much say. They could just say, hey, Lauren, will you use this app called CrowdSound? You know, it'll help us a- ask you questions better. Yeah. So that just didn't go anywhere. And and I, I just kind of like let it go on the back burner and, and didn't really do much with, with it until, you know, the idea for CrowdCast uh, came along. And then literally all I did was. I was like, well, you know, at this time, at this point, my friend was like, okay, I need to go, go to go get a job and actually get money and yeah. get paid because I have real bills to pay. Um, he had credit card bills and things like that. So he actually had real bills. I, you know, I was at the time 23 years old, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't have any expenses. So I was just like, well, I'm just going to keep on going. Um, and, and all, and, and what happened was, uh, you know, I figured out a way to <clears throat> use Google Hangouts where there was a, there's like two little puzzle pieces where you can have a little button on your screen. That's one puzzle piece. And when you click on that button, it opens up a hangout. And from the hangout, you can bring in a YouTube video back in back into the crowdcast. Um and and, and I and I and I just literally like had a thought one night, like as I'm trying to fall asleep, I'm like, wait, I wonder if that's possible. And the next morning I like tested it out. I was like, oh wow, it is. And so uh that's what led me to start building video into it. And all I did was I took the crowd sound code and just added a section for video, <laughs> you know, it was the, the, the polling cool. system that you guys see is actually the same exact design from CrowdSound. Um, so, you know, we just took that experience that was meant for in-person live events. And then I just added a video for virtual live events. Um, and I remember, you know, yeah, so, so that happened. And then, and then, um, and, and that thing was CrowdSound. And you know, I, I just really, I, I definitely wanted to find a new name and, uh, you know, Crowdcast honestly just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. The o- only thing I really thought of was like, I wanted a name that, you know, was both a noun and a verb. And, you know, and, and for us that it's just natural. It was like a natural progression to go to Crowdcast and, you know, Crowdcast.com was already taken by a company that's, that doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. Um, but .io was available, which is kind of like the, the tech, more techie yeah. URL to use. So. We just kind of, I just kind of picked that and just kind of started rolling with it. Um, so, you know, I don't think that's the best way to pick a name. Yeah. You know, if I were to give someone else advice on creating a name, I would probably say, you know, pick a name that's memorable and it's easy to, easy to type. Um, and, you know, if you can use it as a noun and a verb, that would be a, a great plus. Great piece. Um, but, but the first thing is, like, make sure it's legible, easy to spell. If I'm saying it out loud, are you going to be able to, like, say it back? Crowdcast is actually kind of like hard to say a lot of the times. Like Comcast, Groundcast, you know, people say weird things. Um, it's just kind of a hard thing to say with your mouth twice, like like those particular sounds. So yeah, I would start with that. Like work really work backwards, you yeah. know. Um, uh, so, something that sounds like a name that's memorable and easy to spell and things like that, and then start there. Yeah. The good thing too is people know how to spell crowd and they know how to spell cast. So if you say it verbally, exactly. people can go and look it up. Whereas with Ellen Company, people <laughs> think Ellen Company. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's oh, hard. That's a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in hindsight, so do your due diligence. Say it a bunch of times. Ask other people to say it. Ask other people to spell it. Um, but I love the noun and a verb 
I hadn't heard anybody say that, but that is so helpful, especially for software as a service. If those of you who are tuning in are thinking about going that route, that's especially helpful. Um, I wish we had time to answer one more question, um, but that was so helpful. Thank you so much, Sai, for um, for joining us and just sharing the backstory of Crowdcast. I'm leaving so encouraged. Um, I know those who are in are too. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. I can't believe it's already at the end of the hour. I know. This went by um, so fast. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, I guess just some last words is yeah. just, you know, like you mentioned earlier, uh, if anyone has, you know, an idea that you're like pondering, like, should I take action on it? Uh, I would just ask yourself, you know, is this something that you're deeply excited about? You know, and if so, um, you know, uh, what if you just started it, you know, and just kind of give yourself permission to spend a month or spend a week, just kind of like testing it out, you know, it may not go anywhere and you shouldn't have any expectations of it going anywhere, but just to try it out and see where it goes and just stay curious is I think the best thing I could really say. Stay curious. I love that. Thank you, Sai. And thank you for taking the time to join us all the way from Guatemala too. This was, this was awesome. And so for people who want to follow along with you and with your business, where, where can they find you? Um, you know, I would actually recommend going to our Facebook community. You know, that's probably the best place. So let me just drop a link, you know, um, to that. Perfect. Coming in September, there's going to be a lot more activity there. So, um, yeah, join us in there. And if you have any ideas or anything like that, let us know in the, in the, in the group. Awesome. And I will add that to the call to action on this page as well. So people can easily um, find it. Um, but thank you, Sai. I hope you enjoy the next couple months in Guatemala. And thank you guys for taking the time to join in. Um, hope to see you in another L chat very soon. Thanks, Sai. Thank you for, thank you for having me. Catch you guys later. All right. Bye, y'all.